This is the RoboJuice Podcast, where we believe that taking the worry out of web comes from working a plan, using a proven process, and building a solid platform. I'm Kevin Dees, and I'm here with Tim Laurie. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. Now, if you don't know Tim, and you should, he's an SEO expert. Tim is the founder and lead of SEO at Tip Top Search Plus Marketing. He has worked with small mom and pop shops to Fortune 500 companies. He's been involved not only in publishing in the early days, but obviously now with digital marketing. He's the go-to man when it comes to being on Amazon, being on Google, getting positioned on the digital space. Tim's your guy. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Yeah. What's your story? How did this start for you? How did you get into SEO and publishing? Yeah, well, I, I somewhat took a, a roundabout process perhaps to get into the digital marketing. I, I started out in the, the print world with book publishing. Um, and within that publishing company, my, my involvement was in basically coming up with the products, launching them, putting them into market, and then helping to see them sell out on the other side. So within that, there could be anywhere in the region of 50 new titles that came out each year. And for each one of those, they had their own brand around whatever the title was, the author, the product, and we had to make sure that they weren't just being seen on shelves in store, but that they would be found on Google and even more so within the Amazon search engine. So how do you come up with content, intriguing title, descriptions, keywords that you can use within getting that found? And that that kind of gave me that that spark of interest of, well, how how does this get found? How, you know, when somebody searches for something, what is the mechanics, what is the logistics um, that goes behind that? I think that's something interesting that you said there, which is not only was Google an aspect of what you did, but also the search engine called Amazon mm -hmm. for the actual product. So, you know, in my mind, it's easy to kind of default to search engines. Oh, you got, you know, what is it, Google or yeah. Microsoft Bing, yeah. you have Google, you kind of have Yahoo, nobody really knows <laughs> what's going on over there much anymore. So that's really, that's really interesting to me. So when did that transition take place for you when you said, you know, this publishing, this print thing isn't necessarily for me so much anymore, I want to move into strictly digital? Yeah, I would say in the, in the last, um, Five years ago, maybe a little bit over that, as publishing started making more of an impression in digital, more so with the ebooks, digital content, um, having new opportunities to get things in the metrics that you could start seeing with that by way of downloads and where people were getting them from and how they were getting there. Um, that started to spark that interest, and then with the opportunities within the company as we redeveloped websites, as we started launching more microsites for authors or for our products, then going in and starting to do some optimization, or at that stage it was a little bit more basic optimization of you know getting things found and you know cheering over those small wins and you know hey look at me I got us you know on page two so um, you know it's been a process of over the years of of working through that and having that that interest and drive to, to see where can this go. And then through just reading, learning, starting to see really where you can go with the whole SEO thing and 
all the opportunities that exist for brands, companies, whatever it might be to actually get found. Um, and some of it is very logical as you actually start getting into it. And that, that really pricked that interest for me. And then you did that for a certain amount of time. And then just recently, in the yeah. last year, you've started your own business. Yeah, as I was doing freelance probably for you know the last couple of years prior to this. And um, there reaches that stage where you have to either be all in or all out, so to speak, kind of straddling between two different industries is not the, the appropriate way to go. And I was fortunate enough to be at a place where I had clients that would allow me to be able to shift across and start my own company. And then also um, clients talking to me with, you know, if you have the bandwidth to take this on, would you be open to? And uh, my wife was, agreeable to it she felt confident which is always a you know a big help whenever you're stepping out and starting your own business to have you know the confidence of your your spouse so you know went ahead and it's it's been a really really great move it's one of those ones where I probably would have kicked myself if I hadn't have done it in a couple of years from now I mean like why did I wait so long to, to make that shift so with what you've done you've worked with companies who have millions of visits on their websites to those you know 10,000 or so, you know, when it comes to the monthly traffic. Certainly along the way, you have run into problems and you've made some mistakes. Yeah, there's there's definitely there's a learning curve um, for for anyone, especially as you're moving in industries and within the, the digital space, there being so many different ways for people to produce sites now. You have the most basic of ways where somebody can you know, build a site in Squarespace or Wix or something like that. What are those? What are those platforms? Yeah, uh, they're they're content management systems. So um, Squarespace would be kind of like a monthly seven dollars, ten dollars. It includes your domain name, and you get some templates, and you can very easily spin up the website. But your capabilities will be restricted to where you can go. Same thing with Wix. If you're doing e-commerce or selling products, there's Shopify and there's various other ones like that. And I would say that, you know, thinking in like the, you know, earlier space, where did I maybe make a mistake? It was not vetting the content management system the way I should have, where you go in with expectations and I don't want to say promises, but at the same time, hopes from clients that you're going to achieve these great goals and get there really quickly. And as you start peeling back the lures of that onion, you realize my hands are really tied with what this content management system is going to allow me to do. And then finding out that the client may not necessarily have the budget for a developer to go in and break a lot of code and customize things. Um, and really, you know, that was, that was one of those things where I'm, I'm grateful for the client's response to it. And we're working through, doing that but at the same time you you see it as somewhat of a failure in your part for not doing that um, front-end research perhaps the way you should have to know that you're doing that so now I'm very careful as I, I go into you know a project to make sure can this actually do what needs to be done whenever you're you're optimizing because it's more than just putting a few words on a page yeah and you're a very detail-oriented person so if, you know we've worked with you in the past we continue to work with you. So it's not to say that uh, you're just not doing your job. Like you, you definitely pay attention to the details. So I think it's an interesting thing that you see 
even though you have all these notes and you know how your process works is really good um, but even in there you're, you're identifying hey there's some things I can improve on even with the robustness of my own process so I think that's really cool yeah, thank you so you have some failures everybody does and, and that's fine like we all make mistakes and we refine our processes and get better at them but for the person who is looking to maybe get at it, get started or just learn more about SEO I want to drill in here since you're here on the show yeah, for sure. to talk about some specifics, kind of bring some light as to how uh, businesses can use Google, Amazon, or whatever it is to grow. Mm -hmm. One of those things is this idea of signal versus noise. Yeah. There's a lot of things coming at us, even when we're driving down the interstate. You know, you have billboards and gas station signs and their prices just driving down the road much less on the internet where you have ads and just all kinds <laughs> of stuff and silly videos maybe it's on you know Facebook or an Amazon you have all these products there's there's a lot of noise and search engines their job is to reduce that noise right like if you have a TV you're turning the dial or the radio you're turning the dial you get that static but when you start hitting that signal you start um, getting the values that you want. Yeah. Those values being maybe the music that you want to hear. Mm -hmm. And on search, that signal could be better results. So how do you help companies position themselves to where they're signal and not noise? Yeah, and actually I read a, a statistic recently um, just in kind of line with what you're saying and I think it's somewhere just north of 50% of the links that are out there in the search engines never actually receive a click. Um, so that, yeah, fifty percent of what is currently online will never never see a click. They don't see the light of day. They are buried so far in the search engine. And to Google, that is that that noise that you're talking about. It's low value content, things that they don't feel are delivering value, and they they demote that essentially. Somebody might have the great expectations of it getting out there, but um, if they haven't done their homework, Google will, will know that and they will rank it accordingly. Um, and really for, for a business, the, the first thought on your mind should be, how do I bring value to my, to my customers or my clients or whoever your end user is going to be? And that value may not necessarily be what you have in mind of, I want to sell my product. It might be proving that you're an expert in that field. So it could be somebody that is, um, we'll use a client that we we're both working with, somebody that's selling um, boat covers and RV covers and various other things like that. For them to just go out there and just start pushing buy my product, buy my product, Google will see it. They'll get some traffic just based on the size and the, the amount of products that they have. But creating that value of we're more than just a company that sells these covers. We want to tell you how to use these covers. We want to tell you what the cover can do for you. Uh, we're going to teach you about the benefits. And through creating that content of value, Google then starts to rank you and set you apart. And then that's when all of the other signals start coming into play, which can be, you know, how well is your content written? Have you structured it in the right way so that it's user friendly? Um, and then making sure that you know you're sharing it so there's social or getting links into the product those are all things that Google will look for and as they start seeing that then they're saying this person is not noise this is actually 
valuable and when people click on this site they stay on it they don't disappear or run from it like it's a plague they're you know they're happy to be there so for them delivering something that's going to keep somebody on a site that is that is their biggest goal is to to do that and the more frequently you do that the more they're going to rank you or the better they will rank you how does google know the difference between let's say just content yeah and this notion that a site is helpful because you can have a lot of pages with a lot of content and the keywords, but what you're saying, it sounds like Google's paying more attention to the meaning behind the words and how it's helping somebody beyond just what's there. So cramming a bunch of keywords in apparently isn't the trick. No, it's, it's not. Maybe, you know, 10 years ago it might've worked for some sites, but they've probably dropped off the search engines if they didn't, didn't change to you know Google's new algorithms and ways of ranking and how they they look at that. But um, how does if you, how does Google do that? How do they figure that out? Obviously, they, nobody knows the algorithm. But. They they have around two hundred ranking signals that they look for. They will apply the majority of them across sites, but not all of them. It depends on various metrics, what the end goal is, if it's a news site that's producing a bunch of content throughout the day, or if it's somebody that's a little bit more static in what they're doing, they'll have different metrics for that. But there's some of the major ranking signals that they will will use, and then there's ones which are a little bit more um, minor. So major ones would be, you know, Major ranking signals. Yeah, so signals that are going to be important things for, for Google as they look at it. It's, you know, what is the content? And that's kind of going back to what you were asking. How do they, how do they know that? And the way they, they see it is basically people are asking questions. If you think about whenever you jump onto Google, you're not typing in a random selection of keywords. It's becoming more natural language. In the past, it was keyword focused, but as users have become more intuitive, it's more natural language. So what they, does that look like? What, um, what's an example of that? Somebody will say, you know, how do I fix a dent in my car? So they're not necessarily looking for a body repair shop. They're most likely looking for somebody that's going to answer that question for them. Should it be that body repair shop that has done a great job of answering it, where they give some free value where they say, well, if you happen to drive a Prius and it has a plastic bumper, heat some water, the water will cause it to pop out. I actually just saw that in a video recently um, for for somebody else I knew, but, um, you know, and then that person says, oh, wow, these people aren't just bringing me in and trying to charge hundreds of dollars for something that I can do myself, but to Google, you're delivering value, and through that, then as more people have queries, they will then start ranking that site higher. So it's answering the questions that people are asking. Um, Once you go to those product-specific type searches, so let's say you are selling product, um, about 55 to 60% of those now start in Amazon. So that's how it's shifted over the years. So the engines are used in different ways. The product query starts in Amazon, might shift to Google afterwards. Um, more of the questions, they start in Google. And if there's a product, the person will likely move to Amazon to see if they can purchase it from there before going to the manufacturer's site. So there's different uses of them, but um, in Google, the answering of questions is a big, big value point to them. 
you had said there are multiple signals. You know, with the radio example that we talked about earlier, there's yeah. pretty much one knob to tune. You can switch AM, FM, right? But with Google and these search engines, it's not just one knob. You've got, you know, like <laughs> 20 knobs and you have to tune them all just right to get the right signal. And, you know, there's a lot of tweaking that goes on when you have that many knobs to tune into a signal. Yes. And your Google. Some of those are to do with what you said, like keywords, um, but conversion rate, social signals, mm -hmm. engagement, the speed of a site, all those are signals as yeah. well. Which ones of all of these signals should people be paying attention to the most? There's, I would say there's a handful that really are, are up there as important ones. Um, keywords are up there, but it's not in just, like you said, stuffing the keywords in, but you have to have something that you're, you're targeting towards you. You know, if you don't have that keyword goal, then you can't create anything. So there is that concept of what am I actually creating the content about, but then it's thinking beyond that. It's who am I writing this for? What is the goal of the content that I'm, I'm creating? Is it something that I'm using for social sharing? And if you're using it for social, Google now reads that as a metric. They will not pass equity through those links, meaning that they're not going to um, boost your authority through them. But if they see that your brand is getting a lot of mentions and your content is getting a lot of shares, then they view that as a social metric, as they call it, that then has value on the site. Or if you're answering questions within social and they see links pointing back, they give you that same thing. The other way would be if you're creating content to share within other blogs where you're asking you know, somebody to connect to your piece of content because it adds value to what they're writing, then those are more of your traditional backlink. And for Google, the more links that you have pointing in from higher authority sites that they already trust, then they see that as a trust signal that goes to your site where for the sake of it, well, NBC News is pointing a link to RoboJuice, so RoboJuice must be legitimate, and that's obviously a very grand scale of taking you know, a high authority site, but essentially sites that rank well, if they're pointing back to you, Google then sees that as a trust metric, and that also helps your ranking. Do you have any examples where you've taken this approach of, you mentioned the social metrics, so let's just land there, yeah. of where that's kind of worked, where you've seen impact from that specifically? For the, the site I'd mentioned previously where we're working with a, a client and they sell RV covers and boat covers, um, being able to do outreach with the content and get some of those social shares, that has then created then social traffic that's coming back into the site. So those become a form of referrals or social referrals. And that goes, that goes out into the ether of things that are in, on the web. It's not going to disappear. So it may get you that initial spike depending on whose channel it goes out on. It could be five links back to your site or five people coming in, or it could be somebody that gets you 500 people again, depending on their platform. But in the case of this one, it got some social shares and through the social shares, got some backlinks that other people caught it and shared it through their website that then create that. So from, you know, two or three shares, three different social channels that turns into you know, new customers or people that are just becoming aware of a brand coming into the site. And that would be, you know, kind of a more recent, recent example of getting, getting a piece of content out through social and it just having that benefit of 
new traffic, new awareness, different markets that may not have um, connected with you any other way prior to that. So that's interesting. What you're describing there sounds like a falling of dominoes. You know, I did the social thing and that led to backlinks, which led to X, which led to Z, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Measuring your results is a big deal. You need to know what worked, what didn't. That way you can spend your money on what worked and not on what didn't. Yeah. What are the tools that people can use to keep track of that, to watch over it? Obviously, you know, get the expert who understands those things, but what does the business need to be listening for coming from their expert, yeah, expert or specialist? There's definitely, you know, for, for any business, there's a, a suite of tools that that they should have, and without them, they're they're just blindfolded and throwing darts, um, and they're they're supplied by Google. So it's not like Google doesn't doesn't want you to win out there. They're they're supplying you with the tools to par you or empower you to actually be able to you know make progress. So the first one, which is should be core to any website, is Google Analytics. If you don't have um, a Google Analytics tracking code installed in your site then you're not going to have any idea how that traffic is actually getting there. It's completely free and it just takes somebody with a little bit of knowledge to set that up and Google will walk you through the instructions or once again you can put a question into Google, Google how do I add Google Analytics to my WordPress site or whatever it happens to be and you will find like I said, people answering those questions and they're ranking highly because they answer them well. Um, so first and foremost, Google Analytics. Once you set that up, there's Google Search Console. So that's kind of the, the next step or the next advancement for somebody that um, is really wanting to get serious about their website. Um, once you've authenticated your site with Google Analytics, you can pretty much use that same tracking code and authenticate um, through Search Console, so you don't really have to install any more code. It'll give you a few options, but that's one of the ones that exists, and it's usually the quickest and easiest, and that's going to give you a little bit more of that front-end information. So Analytics is telling you after somebody's been on the site, you're going to know which landing page they came in from, how much traffic, how many sessions, all those kind of details, whereas Search Console is telling you the keywords that is bringing the traffic into your site. So if you're um, only really starting, you might have limited information, or you might have been doing this for a while but never actually set it up. And you might find all of a sudden, I didn't realize that this search was what was bringing me all of my traffic. How can I create more content that answers this question or answers different components of that? Um, it'll let you know how many impressions you're getting, how many clicks you're getting, what that's averaging as a rank, and I say averaging because Google is now not ranking just one position across the country for every user that searches that query. It will be different based on geographics, previous search history, so there's a lot more metrics to it now. Um, and then the third tool that I would say from Google would be Google AdWords. Um, you don't necessarily need to be running an ad campaign to benefit from it, but once you start seeing what Google Search Console is telling you is the queries that are coming into your site, you can then start fine-tuning those keywords and Google will tell you approximately your monthly search volume on those keywords so you can see, oh, if I flip the order of this, 
all of a sudden it's three times the volume of traffic and those are those are the core tools that I would say that anybody should be using with a website and beyond there then you can get as technical as you you would like to there's a lot of um, SEO ranking tools things like that but it does get more technical pretty quickly um, but you can really you can achieve a lot with with those three tools if you if you really want to something you said I thought was very interesting you said you can flip those meaning you can flip the keywords and get totally different results mm -hmm. what does that look like in practicality like yeah say something like a, a cover for pontoon boats when if you had to just said pontoon boat cover there will be a huge difference in the volume of what's being searched because you're you're doing basically the more common query so more people are inputting into Google um, and that order and taking it to its, its most basic form um, as you're typing into Google and it starts to automatically create those those answers to what you're typing so if you're you know shopping for a and it's going to then answer the last thing that then lets you know what Google is most frequently seeing so you can start playing around with the ordering of words and as you see what it starts to auto populate you will see that that's most likely the highest volume search and then you can take that information put that into Google um, or Google AdWords and, and get the volume for for what kind of traffic actually goes to that and there's two ways to think about how you go after the volume of traffic you have your big keywords which everybody's going after so that is your primary keyword but then you also have your long tail keywords and going after that you know high value big keyword is great but your odds of ranking are much harder but the long tail one if you have enough content in your site and you're hitting on those long tails then that's going to generate probably more traffic over a period of time than what your big heavy keyword is because you're going to get higher ranking positions and the traffic you get is going to be more specific and probably more relevant um, because you're going into maybe two or three words versus just one big word or two big words that somebody's searching after so long tail yes you said big word more specific yeah big word is for example, if I searched RV, yeah. that's a two-letter word, yeah. but that's a big word that, to Google. That is hundreds of millions of websites will show up at the top of the, the search query, and you will have everything from RV resellers to storage to covers, accessories, whereas if you start niching that query down, so you might have um, you know, a specific kind of RV, so you could say, fifth wheel RV and then you might be looking for a cover so then you add cover into it or you might have a specific brand where then you put in you know Carver fifth wheel RV cover and as you start hitting on those long tail keywords your traffic is going to start becoming much more relevant so they're they're known as your your long tail because you're going to have less traffic or I should say less people targeting those versus going after the big RV or even um, RV covers which again is it's not as broad as RV but it's still broad versus going into some of those niche things or um, it could be a specific auto make if you just search the word car it's very broad but if you say you know Ford Mustang 
then you're getting more specific. Used Ford Mustang becomes even more specific. So it's thinking about how people will structure the wording around it and the ordering of that wording will also fluctuate the amount of traffic that you get. Customer comes to you and says, I want to be number one on Google and on Amazon. What do you say? They have two very different metrics that they, they use um, and the content that you're likely going to use to get the people to number one um, is, is going to be different for each one. There might be just the reality of having to tell that client that number one may not be a reality right now. It could be a year or we're going to have to do a longer strategy to start getting your site to where it needs to be. So it's not just going in, fixing one page on a website and that page automatically gets page one. It has to be a holistic approach of um, a large section of the site or an entire site to be able to really show Google that that value is not just in the one page, but once the person gets in, there's a lot more legitimate content in there, things that are internally linked um, that's going to you know, provide more value to that person. For Amazon, they will base it on sales velocity. So theirs is out of 100 people that we send to your listing, how many actually purchase. And the higher your sales velocity is, the higher they will rank you. But they will also pull from keywords that are within your title and your bullets. Those are the primary areas that Amazon looks at. What are my bullets? Um, whenever you go into Amazon and you're looking at a product, you're going to see essentially the title, you're going to have the price, whether it's available on Prime, and then it's going to have maybe five bullets underneath that. A bulleted so, list. Yes, like, bulleted list. So just bullet okay. points, that basic. So that is where they're looking for on-page keywords, but they also allow you to put up to 2,000 keywords off-page that nobody actually sees, that you can go in and create huge lists of if somebody types in this, 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 then we want to show for it. But they will determine based on your sales velocity how high you're going to be. And they also use a somewhat self-serving tool where if you're not on Prime, then you will not rank as highly if somebody else is selling a similar product and they're using Prime. So they, they weight using that um, Amazon fulfilled or Prime fulfilled as a metric. And then they also um, will, like I said, they've got the sales velocity, they've got the Amazon Prime, and then they will basically go off um, like returns, things like that. So if your product, if they sell a lot, they get returns, they're going to demote you. They sell a lot, they don't get returns, then they keep you higher listed. So they have slightly different focus in Google because Google is not looking at, did somebody go in and buy that product? They will never know if that product was returned because that's a different process that's removed from the search engine, whereas Amazon, they tie that all in their back end and they, they know what's going on with that product from leaving the person through to retargeting you in your email, they, they have a lot of data on you. There's this approach. You see it uh, in Google, sometimes in Facebook. People will create a headline and throw ads against that headline. So I have two headlines that I want people to click on. I'm not sure which one's going to perform better. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to split test or A-B test those two headlines. So I'm going to go buy Google ads mm -hmm. and get those positioned on the page. 
Is, is that a good idea? Yeah, it's, there's varied thoughts and I have varied opinions on that because you're not always going to get an accurate metric there because search can vary so much across the country and to just take two headlines and start putting money at it and see which one's going to get the most clicks. It's going to give you some metric, but once you shift it out of that actually paying to get the traffic in there, is that metric going to look the same? Or are you going to find out that you're against a whole bunch of competition that you weren't previously against because you were paying to get into that position one? Um, so there's other ways you can A-B test within a site that it's not in a paid approach, but it's in a more organic approach where you can have two landing pages that you set up organically within the site and you optimize them both and you put them out there and you might have keyword targets change slightly. The on-page copy is going to read different um, using different uh, semantic structures. So your H1 tags, which is your title tag, H2, kind of those subtitle tags, basically going in restructuring them both so that they're not looking like duplicate content when the search engine sees it and starting to get that organic picture of what is actually happening or taking a section within the site and trying to implement some of those changes so if it's maybe restructuring um, URLs within a site that you do a section of the site where you have the URL structured one way another section you have them structured a slightly different way and you see how that ranks or how the variance is um, but to just target two pages and just throwing money at them, it's going to be different once you take it out of that paid world and put it into the actual organic world. You'll find that paid traffic will, will get there pretty much no matter how you title it. If you're paying it in and you have the keyword targets that you're putting on it, then you're going to get, get that. So the only thing that I would say would differentiate is, is maybe within the page, what is actually going to get them to click through. So more the call to action that's within it. So um, if it's an email sign up that you're trying to achieve or getting somebody to sign up for a course, um, you could have two different designs and have them out there where you're using different color schemes, using a slightly different call to action box or having one that follows you down the page versus one that's static. And then you can A, B those kind of things where you can actually tell by the functionality what is working better. Um, that's what a lot of people will, will do or at least A, B test those kind of things. That's extremely helpful. I mean, because you, you get all kinds of advice. Yeah. Right. When you're looking at doing these landing pages, do they live on the same domain? What's kind of the basic setup? I get that. You need somebody who understands the keywords and how to design yeah. it and all that, but what's kind of the base level? Do they be on the same domain? Do I use two different domains? I guess my question is then, if I have two pages on the same website, like yes. robojuice.com, yeah. and they're very similar because I'm A-B testing, mm -hmm. Google's not going to say, I'm only going to rank one of these because they're both very similar. You're, that's why you would have to change your target keyword on the page. So that's where you might experiment with the keyword two different ways and then make sure that there's enough on-page variance. Um, so if you have 300 words on the page, you don't want to have any more than perhaps 50 of those words actually matching with each other. You want to have that much of a difference so that Google can identify these are two different targets, but for you, 
they're both targeting essentially the same kind of thing, but you're trying two different ways to get there. Um, with doing more of like that email signup thing that we were, were talking about, um, there's programs that you can get that actually will, will A-B test it where they will serve up different ones back and forth and they'll track all that data. So there is a little bit of a luxury on just doing those single landing pages and what Google will typically make you do or one of the clients that we're working with at the moment, we're doing um, a landing page that's tied into direct mail and we're A-B testing the landing page at the same time as doing all that but we have a previously existing AdWord campaign that's with Google on the primary URL or domain. So we basically had to set up um, a redirect from that to a different URL so that we can track what we're doing on there. So it can get a little bit more technical once you, you go into that and depending on what the end goal is, um, it's gonna determine your best best approach for, for doing those kind of A-B tests. and. Um, again, within organic, it's okay to have two pages that are somewhat similar long as there's enough that differentiates what the content is and it can be going after two variations of a long tail keyword structured a different way and just trying different wording or different call to action um, that you're achieving. So one might be trying to get somebody to purchase, the other might be just trying to get them into the top of a funnel, uh, meaning that you know, click for that email sign up and then you can start a drip campaign or emails that kind of move them through a sequence towards that purchase. You mentioned one thing here and I was going to let you get away, but <laughs> it's a very good, you mentioned funnels. Yes. I think we can wrap up with this question. I understand that you have rankings getting basically getting the number of traffic and then you have this other compartment called conversion yeah. where I want to convert but you have this guy in the middle over here called the funnel yeah help people understand what the funnel is yeah so to give a, a visual of its most basic way just picture a literal funnel if you were putting some oil into your car you've got that wide top on it and then it goes down into the narrow stem that goes down into the oil tank so really you have the top of the funnel which are those people that have intent but they are not at the stage where they're actually going to purchase or do something so right now i'm just kind of interested in buying this car but i'm doing my research i'm looking to see what the prices are who's selling what so that is really top of the funnel traffic and for a business you want to have some content that is top of the funnel. You want to get those people in because if they don't find you early on, they might have already started making some emotional connections with a competitor and be more of a warm leader further down the funnel when they engage with them or they might discover you right after they've just finished converting. So you want to make sure that you have things that start letting them know about your company early on. So if they're of that intent that they want to again, let's just say buy an RV cover, we want to have something that is bringing them in, whether they're, you know, you're creating an article to tell them why their old one needs replaced or how to protect or store, just something that's getting that interest in the topic. Then you want to have content that gets people that are a little bit warmer in the funnel. So they might be halfway down. So they've already done their research. So now you're starting to tell them why should they buy from you? What is your differentiator? Is it 
that you offer free shipping or is it that your products are better quality or you know start sprinkling some of that in having some calls to get them to really go into product pages and start exploring deeper there um, and then you have those people that are basically at the bottom of the funnel and they have done their research they've went through the funnel if you have your funnel set up well you have some email marketing tied into that where somebody's came onto your site and they start getting followed around on google with those ads they might get a direct mail piece or an email that follows them um, again you can get very smart and focused with this and the easiest way initially is just those google adwords display ads um, following them around and then when they're ready you want to make sure that you are there either organically to be found or paid to be found where they have came in and you followed them around for the last two weeks and now they're actually ready to buy and your ad is sitting nice and pretty at the top of somebody else's website that they click on and they go through and make that purchase. I like what Tim Ferriss says on his podcast. He says, if you're going to put up a billboard and it can say anything, what's that thing that you're going to tell people? Yeah, I would, I would tell them first they need to hire me, but if that's not an option right now, um, really their strategy should be three-pronged. Um, you're going to have your organic, which is the slower of the processes, but it's probably one of the most crucial because a business can sustain just always on paid traffic. Once you take that away, your business stops. So you need to have that organic work going on, building the content, getting your site going. So you kind of picture that as a ramp going up and then along the top you already have your paid which is coming in across there and once your organic is getting you sufficient traffic that is meeting with your paid then you can start ramping that down and with paid you've got the two options of doing your traditional adwords or you've got your PLAs which are those nice little visuals where if you're selling clothing or RV covers then it just looks like a Google image at the top um, so you want to diversify how you're getting those ads out there but really organic is something that should be happening all the time in the background constantly thinking of what can i do and you can learn by seeing what is your competitor doing and how can you better that and that's that's my advice where can people find you yeah my website is tiptopsm.com so that's t-i-p-t-o-p-s-m.com Tim, thanks again so much for being on the show. Again, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks so much, Kevin. Appreciate it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you felt like you just got a lot of value, if you felt like you had any worry or any stress about the web and now it's gone, we would love to see a five-star review from you on iTunes. At RoboJuice, we make it our goal to come alongside you and give you the direction that you need by helping you establish a plan so you can be successful on the web. That goes far beyond just doing a social media campaign or building a website. We want to help you establish a solid plan that's not just going to make you successful today, but also further down the line. If you're interested in creating a plan that's going to help map you to success, whatever your vision or your mission is for your business, we want to help you get there. And you can talk to us. We'd love to hear from you at robojuice.com. That's robojuice.com. Again, 
Thank you so much for listening to the show, and I hope you have a good one.